Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, Don Trumbull, our special guest, as we talk about solar flares, EMPs, and what we can do about it. Don, what is the Safe States Project for us? The Safe States Project is really an extension of what we did back in 2008 with the air carrier infrastructures. It's a, it's a platform uh, that allows the American citizens to unite uh, because, you know, uh, the solution to this, this catastrophic vulnerability isn't going to uh, occur from the top down. Uh, we've got a divided right. government. We need a united government to really defend the American people. We just don't have that right now. So Safe States is an attempt to get everybody on the same team. Uh, it uses the countermeasure that we use to defend the air carrier infrastructures, and we've simplified it for the general public, and it allows us to defend our, our homes, our families, our communities, and our states at the local level. So it's a unification infrastructure. Can it be done without an insulated power grid, or is it in addition to? It can be done without uh, a hardened power grid, and that's, that's really the key. You know, there's... Uh, like I said, there's really only one way to survive uh, an EMP event, and and in order for us to survive, we need to be able to unite. We need to be able to organize, communicate, uh, so that we can go out and uh, take care of our community, so that we can go out and rebuild whatever's been destroyed. And uh, yeah, so it you know it, it's nice to have a hardened infrastructure. It makes it a lot easier. But uh, using the, the community shielding approach, it allows us to survive regardless of the grids. And right now, that's what we need. I mean, we can't wait for our government to do this. We need to unite. We need to see the truth. And uh, we need to get on the te- same team and start working together. Absolutely. Are any individual states, Don, jumping on this bandwagon trying to do something for at least their state? Well, you know, there's a lot of lot of work uh, being done on that, and uh, nothing has transpired. No states have 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 jumped in yet. But I think the key to that is getting the information to the people so that it resonates, so that we can compel the the critical mass it takes to do this. And it's a big hill. I mean, oh you know, there's, there's a brick wall we've got to get through. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're we're using many tactics to do that. We're you know we've got a novel. We've got the safe states novel, and you know we we're using that so that we can resonate in the minds of the people what it's like to be undefended, what it's like to use the community shielding tactic, and uh, you know uh, then we've got the project. So we go from fact to fiction to fact. And, uh, you know, all together, we hope that it can work. And if ours, our project doesn't work, somebody's got to get a project out there working because we can't remain undefended. You know, we've been lucky with the solar flares. We've dodged bullets. Just a few years ago, there was one not quite as big as the Carrington event in the 1800s, but it went out of the side of the sun. It wasn't facing us. That could have been a problem, too, Don. It could have. It could have. You know, and it was a close miss. 
I think they say it was we missed it by nine days, uh, you know, back in 2012. And this was very similar to the Carrington event. And, you know, nine days, that's like a bullet grazing your head. And, you know, that's an indicator that can't be ignored. So our risk is high. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, the odds of when it will happen. There's a lot of experts who have varying uh, estimates. You know, some say it's, it's every 150 years. Some say it's up to 500 years. But it's riddled with speculation. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say when it could happen. But it's so devastating. Uh, I think we have to come to the, the understanding that our real risk is relative. Uh, but damage versus viable prevention carries a lot more weight than trying to decipher the odds. I know when uh, Bill Forst, when Bill Forstian was talking to me uh, some time ago, uh, he was talking about the possibility, and you being from the airline industry, that uh, planes would just drop from the sky if we were hit with a solar flare or an EMP. Is that true? Well, the solar flare wouldn't create uh, the airplanes dropping from the sky. Uh, you know, the solar flare would cause radiation damage for those high-altitude airplanes up there, so the people on board would, would have an issue. Oh, but it's not going to completely fry all of the electronics, like an EMP would. You okay, know, EMP big difference. Definitely do that. Yeah, it's different. So, it, uh, yeah, the airplane scenario is terrifying, and, you know... Most of these fly-by-wire airplanes, they're stable. So if an EMP were to go off and you're up there in a modern-day airliner, you could literally lose everything on there. And uh, you're coming down, you know. It might be a stabilized descent, but you're, you're not going to be able to pick where you land. You're not going to have much directional control. And it's it's... It's pretty tragic. Don, at any given time, airplanes are different. At any given time, at any given time, how many planes are in the sky? Thousands, thousands. Yes. So there would be airplanes littered across the landscape. They'd be falling. The older airplanes, it's much different. You know, the the airplanes with the cables and the pulleys. Uh, you know, flight controls are connected mechanically. Uh, some of those airplanes are going to be able to land safely. But the fly-by-wire, that's the, the real concern. And why can't we, and now you talked about a divided country, and we clearly are right now, but this has been going on for years. No administration has been able to put this together. Why, why don't they just sit down and say, look, there are two strong possibilities of catastrophe that faces America, and that is the sun could blow off an X-flare and it could hit us. That's a possibility. Or a rogue government or any kind of nation with a nuke could attack us that way and send it up and destroy everything. Well, let's fix it. Right, This should be a priority, and I don't get why it's not. Yeah, it's it's hard to understand, isn't it? I, you know, it's it, everybody's going to have their own opinion on why, but you know, I think we can all agree that it comes down to political reasons. Uh, we've got a divided government that's at war with itself. We've got power. We've got greed. We've got self-serving agendas. 
But in the end, I believe it comes down to the core fear. There's something very politically toxic about both the risk we're facing and the defense. Uh, you know, if the people suddenly realized, if there was a mainstream awareness where everybody realized that, hey, we are on the verge of an EMP attack, uh, you know, they'd, they'd start pounding their fists, they'd demand hardening, mm -hmm. and the people would go down that rabbit hole and they'd quickly discovering that hardening wasn't going to defend their families from EMP. And that's the, that's the big fear, I think, that most in our government have, you know. You've got some that want to expose it. You've got others that don't. And I think we're in a stalemate. Uh, it's, it's a standoff. And that's something we've got to fix. We've got to break through that. It's got to be an overall plan. It's got to be not only just hardening the grid, but coming up with what you've called the community shielding to provide that kind of survival. Right. It's got to be a package, and it just seems so easy to do. They just should just it, do it. It does. It does. And it all, all it requires is the, the proper motivation and the drive. And it's, it's not an expensive endeavor. It's simply understanding the threat and doing what we, we all do, following our instincts. You know, whenever we have a, a credible threat out there, uh, we defend ourselves from it to the extent that we can. But we're not doing that. So we're being very reckless. It's, it's irrational, and it's, it's really the disease that we're living in. And we're dealing with this disease in many areas. But this is the one that can kill us all. It can destroy America. It can destroy our freedom. And it's preventable. Yes. Tell us about the things that the community shielding would provide. If they implemented these statewide, what would they do? Well, community shielding is nothing more than using, uh, developing a prearranged plan. And you use uh, the Faraday cage. I, I'm sure most of your listen listeners are, are well aware of the Faraday cage. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's really, it's, you know, to, in a nutshell, it's a, it's a metal box. It's an enclosure that uh, whatever you put inside, and if it's sealed properly, it's protected from the forces of an electromagnetic pulse. And if you preserve critical equipment, key equipment that allows you to maintain your transportation, your communication, uh, power generators for certain you know, electronics that you, you will use to advance your survival. And if you use that Faraday cage in a very special way, you can do extraordinary things. And when everybody has that, and when the community has that, the community can unite and organize. So it's a combination of, of shielding critical equipment, and it's a combination of storing uh, a, a certain amount of emergency stores. You know, and a lot of our, our recommended uh, emergency preparedness plans will recommend something, you know, it varies from three days of food to seven. You know, I've seen it up as high as 30. None of that is sufficient for an EMP. No, not at all. So we, we, you know, it prolongs that. the agony. Correct. That's correct. So if you store a sufficient amount of food, a uh, month's worth for each person, and you develop 
what we call a crossover plan. And that's just a prearranged plan that allows the community to organize its forces to, to turn the supply chains inward, to protect those supply chains, and keep the community fed. And when you do that, you're talking indefinite survival. And, you know, nobody wants to live that way forever, but you need to prepare for that. And if you can prepare for indefinite survival, you can rebuild and you can gain, you know, the technology that we all love today, and we can go back to normal. Can you build a Faraday cab? I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, without that, you know, uh, we can't survive and we can't rebuild and we fail and we lose. Can you build a Faraday cage the size of a warehouse? You can. You can. And, you know, that is a very good way for communities to, to help out people who can't, you know, afford to have their own personal Faraday cages mm-hmm. protecting their personal equipment. So that's a good solution for communities to do, you know, build large shielded warehouses where they can shield emergency transportation, communication, infrastructures, devices, and the like. And the name of the game, too, Don, is survival when all this is done after it has happened. Uh, People who are trained in being, uh, you know, survivalists, will they get through this? Well, you know, being a survivalist is better than not being prepared. Correct. I will, I will give them that. But, you know, uh, just like we were talking about, you know, keeping a, a week's worth of food, all it does is it extends the inevitable. Uh, the survivalists, you know, if they're all alone and they don't have uh, a united community working with them, they're going to lose. You know, evil will thrive, and evil plays a much different game. And they'll take, they'll unite, they'll start getting stronger, and the individual survivalists are not going to last. And, you know, freedom's gone, uh, you know. And, and if you don't have freedom, if you don't have America, uh, I suppose you might last a while if you go up into the mountains and you, you keep yourself isolated and away from people. But that's no kind of life, you know. We need to organize the group so we can preserve America. Are you aware of Peter Pry, who's uh, the executive director of the task force out there trying to uh, get this done, too? Yes. Good guy. Yes. yes. And, yeah. Yeah. I know Peter Pry, and he's done some great work. And he's working very hard on the political side, and he's been working for years on this. So he and others, uh, they're doing good work on the political side, but we've kind of come to the conclusion, uh, you know, we've reached that brutal truth that it's just not going to happen. So we want to go the other direction. And I think if we can inspire something from the ground up, uh, you know, perhaps we can, we can sway and we can compel our government to do the right thing. But without starting with the basic requirement of, of defending our our ability to survive, and our ability to organize and unite, none of it really matters. I mean, hardening doesn't cut it. Right. So we've got to do both, and if we can't do both, then we've got to do the community shielding. I would love to see a presidential candidate uh, during this campaign to use this as a major platform, not just a little issue, but a major platform on some of the things they say if they're elected they would do. 
And uh, it would be interesting right. to see what would happen, because I don't think any candidates really have pushed this in years. No, they they haven't. They haven't. And it gets back to that, that kind of that standoff we're in, you know. Uh, it goes against a lot of the political, political agendas we see today. But for the, the politicians and the officials that aren't interested in that self-serving agenda, this is the opportunity for them to stand up and, you know, face the brutal truth and, and be up front with the American people because it's, it's powerful. And, you know, the more that we embrace the truth, the more that we can fight, you know, radical politics that, that, that serve to weaken America, and, and we need to make America stronger. So it is a, it's a powerful force, and it should be talked about. Newt Gingrich used to talk about it a little bit, but uh, that's where it, uh, mm-hmm. it just didn't go anywhere after that. No, and, you know, we've been kind of on an ebb and flow on this, this whole hardening thing, and we've watched it, you know, uh, for the last 10, 11, 11 years. And, you know, uh, I know Trump is trying to push the, the hardening, and he's got a lot of pushback. So we're, we're just in that very, uh, we're in limbo, and limbo is a bad place to be. Yes. So uh, something's got to break that. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.